here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Let's go up to the beautiful Hudson Valley today. What do you say? Just love that New York, especially summertime. Can't get enough. And our guest today is from that area. But before we dig in too deep, I just want to remind you, if you're digging the show, go to TarmicEvolution.com and sign up for the podcast platform that you love the most. I know there's a lot of Spotify fans out there right now. And uh, if you're still an Apple podcast person, they're all on the homepage there. And uh, we appreciate you doing that. So if you're digging the show, do that and also forward this to a friend so they can enjoy it. So about our Hudson Valley guest today, she was formerly the music director and afternoon drive host at Radio Woodstock, as well as the founder of the Locally Grown program, which she turned into a daily feature on the station. She's passionate about supporting independent and emerging artists, particularly from the Hudson Valley music scene. After being let go from WDST in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, She didn't hang her head and cry. She set up a home recording studio and started a podcast called More Music, Please. Also subtitled Quarantine Beat. Isn't that cool? She interviews professionals from all areas of the music industry about life in lockdown and whatever else they want to talk about. In non-pandemic times, she also performs with bands, Local Freak, Uncle Dad, and Cold Flavor Repair. She's an avid runner, hiker, backpacker, traveler, and dog mom, and also enjoys studying languages and practicing the trumpet and violin. She's a Gemini and still plays Pokemon Go. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution Podcast from the Music City all the way to the Hudson Valley with M.K. Burnell. MK, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, how was your uh, how was your run today? I'm guessing. Um, I didn't run today. I went for a hike this morning. Oh, at, okay. Uh, am I allowed to say where, or is that sure? Sketchy? <laughs> sure, no. Um, I live down in uh, in Kingston, and uh, there's a lot of really beautiful small parks all over the place. And I actually went to one this morning that I had never been to before, which is funny since I've lived here for many years, uh, called Estopus Meadows. So that's my uh, oh wow, beautiful over there. Meadows. Yeah, I know your area so well. I've been going to the Hudson Valley for at least 30 years. I love it. I'm in Nashville now. I moved here about a year ago, but I still my heart is in New York still. <laughs> it's so beautiful you know like everywhere you go up there like um i go to the adirondacks i'm going uh in another two weeks the adirondacks 30 years in a row indian lake we do wilderness camping so the whole everything about new york is incredible it's just amazing i have a very special place in my heart for the adirondacks i actually spent a summer as a backcountry steward in the eastern high peaks and uh, this year for my birthday which was in june I actually took my dog up and did a uh, backpacking trip and uh, just went all over the high peaks. And it was like a really a lot harder than I remembered, but I had a great time. Wow. Do you, are you one of those medalists? Do you have like all the peaks conquered? Like I've done 50 peaks. Not in all of them. I've done, I think, 17 of the 42. 
Wow. And that was in one summer. Jeez, <laughs> that, that's amazing. I mean, those elevations are, you know, you're up so high to begin with. And then you do these ascents and, you know, what you thought was such a healthy set of lungs and great legs and everything turns into a disaster. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's no joke. Yeah. yeah, it's no joke. And I realize it's nothing compared to like the Rockies, say, which I haven't even been to yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was in my early 20s when I was living up there. And like even then it was it was a challenge. Yeah. So you're you're into the whole running physical fitness. I did my uh, three and a half miles today in the heat. I, I was, I'm actually a yogi for like 15 years, like hot yoga I've been doing forever. And I had to stop, of course, with COVID and everything. And I became a runner um, back in March. And I love it. I, I always was horrible at running. And for some, and my fiance is like a, she's done all the marathons. She's done the 50, the JFK 50 and all that. So she's been training me. So yeah. I'm becoming a runner out of necessity. Um, but it's just, it's just so good to do some kind of physical fitness, you know? Definitely. I've actually gotten into steel mace. Are you familiar with steel no. mace? No, what is that? So this is a wonderful thing to do in your living room by yourself. Um, it's like a steel bar, like a rod, and then it's got a ball on the end and you can get different weighted ones. So mine is just seven pounds. That's like the lightest you can get. But you just do, you know, you can do anything with it. You can do squats and you can do, you know, arm, upper body, lower body, whatever you need. And there's also, it's a very like flow worthy workout. Like once you get good at it, you can like do all these moves that kind of flow into each other. So it's very like a lot of the practitioners are very like yogic about it. So I'm not at that level yet, but it's a great workout, kicks your ass. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's fun and it's interesting and it's different. So that's, that's keeping me interested in working out right now. Steel Mace. Nice. I'm going to check that out. That sounds really intriguing. Um, let's talk a little bit about your new career. I want to, I want to first start with, um, just letting people know who you are, what you've done. Um, you're, you're an awesome singer, um, and you are a artist and you also have a deep passion for supporting other artistry, which is what the Dharmic Evolution has, is all about since the day we started the show. Um, so I really, really appreciate on behalf of all those who are um, about to learn about you, uh, what you do. So you're you're in all kinds of bands when you guys are able to gig out. And I was laughing at some of the titles because you sound so eclectic. It's like, it's like, wow, she's like, I can just imagine the sound of each of these bands, you know, so different and everything. So can we talk a little bit about um, the bands that you're associated or affiliated with and, um, and what their representation of music is all about to start? Yeah, it's funny that you say you can imagine what they sound like because you definitely can. I feel like all of the names of my bands are very like evocative of what they sound like. So there's no surprises. Um, so I'm currently involved with four different groups, which is, you know, wonderful. I'm very lucky. Um, and they're all, some of them are covers, some of them are all original, some of them are a blend. So I guess, should we just go down the line? Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, Uncle Dad is my all-female group, and let me ask you, what do you think a band called Uncle Dad would sound like? I that one had me puzzled. I was like, Uncle Dad. I, I it sounded like some like farmers in Illinois, in Illinois, yeah. like you know, in a barn somewhere. And there was I, I had a vision of people milking cows while the band played. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the aesthetic. Yeah, I do. Um, so there's four of us, uh, all women. We were all friends before 
we started the band together and all kind of played music separately. And then like, it started out as like a casual jam. And then we all have, you know, very different songwriting sensibilities, but uh, they all kind of come together really well. And our songs tend to be like funny and weird and a little bit like slackery. You know, none of us are like trying really hard to make anything sound perfect. It's just all about kind of like having a good time and, you know, expressing whatever the song is about so like how uh how blue do you get on this show am i allowed to swear um it's it's pretty much a clean show but i don't censor anybody you can say you know you can you can pretty much say whatever you want okay only because like some of the titles of our songs are like fuckboy blues and like big dick energy oh okay <laughs> okay but, like they're these very like funny like i don't know you might say like memeable kind of songs um and yeah we're just in it for a good time and then uh, loco freak is uh probably my longest running project at this point which is sort of like a mix of covers and originals and we're very dancey and um i sing lead and loco freak and um, i wear like this crazy wig when we're on stage and it's this whole like character and it's, it's like a whole experience putting on that show and then uh, I'm in a band called Cold Flavor Repair, which I feel like you may know some of the guys in CFR. Um, they are a very long-standing Brooklyn slash Hudson Valley band. And it's uh, Andy Gladding and Dave Chapman, Chris Machia, and Brad Kelly. So I've heard of Dave, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So really terrific players. And uh, we're just like a fun party band we're into like yacht rock and, and you know funk and soul and anything that you can dance to and have a good time to and uh yeah and then most recently i joined a band called trailer swift which <laughs> is what it sounds like we do covers of taylor swift songs while wearing uh torn up flannel <laughs> <laughs> where where can people find you like when things are back to normal is it you know mostly in the hudson valley do you guys travel out of that area at all or is it pretty much you know um the woodstock area like where would we find you guys playing um, they were all roughly kingston hudson valley based um yeah. you know certainly would travel if the opportunity arose cfr does weddings so uh you know you're welcome to hire us for your wedding right <laughs> but cool. yeah we're all on we all have facebooks and you know various social medias for people to keep in touch how is how is the gig scene in the hudson valley and i'm saying this with the understanding that it's, you know, it's, it's normal times and it's COVID is not here. Um, is there enough venues um, to keep people going as far as places to play? Oh, yeah. I mean, there... in the before time, absolutely. I mean, it is, that's what drew me to this area, really. Like, I grew up in Northwest Connecticut and, uh, you know, I was, I was always interested in playing music and I would, you know, write some songs and like, uh, there just weren't really open mic opportunities that I could really find. So that was how I started when I moved to the Hudson Valley. I started going to open mics because there were so many of those. And then through those, you meet people who can help you get gigs at other places. And yeah, I mean, I find there's there's no shortage of places to play in the Hudson Valley. And, you know, of course, there's a little bit of like, you need to maybe know somebody first, but it's just not that hard to meet those people. And uh, I found people to be so you know generous with their time and with their you know, with their booking. And uh, really, if you reach out and you're nice and you say, hey, like, we like your place and my band would really like to play here, most of the time people are, are open to it. Let me ask you about, um, you went to SUNY New Paltz, a uh, great school for those of you who haven't heard of it. I'm sure most people have. And it's, uh, you you majored in international relations. I so did. so I'm just, I'm just curious as to 
Um, to me, nothing is ever wasted. I don't care because I, I had more jobs than anybody could ever count. As a matter of fact, my father said he was in personnel and he said the greatest challenge of his career, and I think I was 21 at the time, was to get my resume down to two pages because I just had this like, so I'm just curious as to what has that like international relations, the things that you learn, has um, it brought you to any opportunities, opened any doors, like come up like all of a sudden unbeknownst to you and just said, boom, I, I have this, this arsenal of knowledge that I can apply to this here. Has that happened? You know, it's tough because a lot of what I learned when I was studying IR was very relevant to, you know, the moment, like international relations and, and international politics and any of that, it's, it's all so constantly evolving. So, you know, six years ago when I was working on the degree, I felt like I had a really good handle, or at least a, a fairly good handle on, for example, like what was happening in the Middle East and with, you know, ISIS and, and other, you know, terrorist organizations, like I felt pretty, you know, like I had an understanding of that. And now I would never claim to have an understanding of that because the situation changes constantly. So it's funny, like, yeah, I, I was doing that degree and it wasn't really, I wasn't doing it because I had any grand plans to like be a diplomat or work for the UN or anything like that. It was just like, I was interested in learning more about the world and I was um, interested in maybe having a degree that might allow me to travel at some point for work. And I picked it from a drop-down menu and I ended up really enjoying it and uh, getting a lot out of the degree. I ended up focusing more on uh, South American politics, which was, you know, a really interesting thing to study. And I learned so much about, you know, the U.S.'s meddling down there throughout the years and, and how much we've contributed to their instability. And uh, so, you know, I'm very happy that I studied some of that and learned more about it, but it's not super relevant to what I ended up doing yeah. <laughs> with my life. If I mean, maybe not, not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You never know when this is going to come out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how we've uh, gone to around to police the world in the interest of, uh, you know, helping people or self-preservation or whatever. And, and we don't always get the job done in the way that it was intended, you know, something, you know, something or we else do, happens. But, you know, but we're lying about the reasons. You know, we'll say, oh, we went down there to uh, to free these people. But really, we were after their oil and we right. overthrew their democratically elected government. So, yeah, yeah, we don't have to go down that path too hard. But it's it's no, I know it's pretty, tragic. Pretty it really, really is. <laughs> um, want to ask you about um, before I want to talk about Radio Woodstock, because that was when I first uh, when Glenn first introduced me to you. Uh, via just conversation, he had, he had talked about Radio Woodstock and I checked out all that you were doing there. Uh, but, but before we talk about that, what shaped you musically growing up, either as, as a young lady, a young girl, um, high school, you know, wherever you were in your life, um, what carved out the path for the type of music that you enjoy? Were there any specific artists that you, that really, really caught your attention and uh, helped shape who you are today? Yeah, I mean, if you wanna go all the way back, I, I have my mom to thank for a lot of, you know, my appreciation for some of the stuff from like the 70s and 80s. Steely Dan is one of my top favorite bands of all time and I'm sure always will be. And yeah. uh, that was very much a my mom thing. I got that from her. And uh, yeah, she also, she was into like, 
Sting and like some Zeppelin and you know so I, I got a little bit of that kind of uh, sensibility from her. There was also a time in my life where I was living back at home with my dad in Connecticut and I wasn't really doing much. I was like working at restaurants and kind of just like smoking a lot of weed. And one of the ways I would entertain myself would be to walk to the local library and rent CDs from them, like borrow CDs from the library and rip those into my iTunes and just grow my music collection. And I got like a bunch of Led Zeppelin out of that, Blondie, that was my first like Blondie experience, um, Joan Baez I got from that time. And probably biggest for me was Brian Wilson's Smile album. Um, that was like a big, like, oh my God, like this is my favorite thing ever. So that's kind of my you know, older music background. And then, you know, I, uh, I just always really loved music and I was interested in hearing what was out there that wasn't being played on the radio. And I would follow a lot of blogs around like, you know, 2009, 2010, that was a really good place to hear, you know, interesting indie music. I got very into, um, of Montreal. They're one of my all time favorite bands and, um, you know, Janelle Monet when she was just starting out and there were bands that I would see on tour with other bands that I liked. Um, yeah, just uh, just keeping your ear to the ground, you know? Yeah. So when you were a young girl, you were a hippie. <laughs> I guess. My mom was kind of a hippie. My mom grew up in Woodstock and uh, definitely had a little bit of that, you know, yeah. attitude. So, it was yeah. su such a charm to that time. I mean, there was something so unique about that. It was such a, a rare um, moment in time for creativity like the late 60s the early 70s because nothing had been done yet like you know people were coming out with trios guitar bass and drums and going wow listen to this what is this about and yeah. and here it is 50 years later and we still have some bands that are doing still doing that you know it's like it's almost yeah, but but at that time like horns with the you know the rascals were doing things i mean there was just so many great acts one after another and production was becoming, you know, such a such a more interesting and exciting thing. And, you know, people like Stevie Wonder were like, you know, doing wild things in the studio. And, you know, of course, that's one of the things I love about Steely Dan is their studio obsessiveness. And, and yeah, so I, uh, I think it, it was evolving fast back then and it's still evolving now. And yeah, I love to hear, you know, even even the music that I don't necessarily connect with that, like the next generation is into, I still am super interested to hear. Yeah. Steely Dan was just, you know, it was, uh, I remember Rick Derringer being really, really hot with, um, he was playing with, I think, Johnny Winter, Edgar Winter, like way, way back in the, you know, the early 70s. And he was like, like a big star. And he was a nervous wreck because he was going into the studio to play with Steely Dan, like so many other artists said. Because they had such a... <laughs> yeah, they had such a dominating, uh, you know, a reputation for perfection, you know, mm -hmm. and being the like the musical gods of, of, you know, this place in New York they both came out of, you know. Did they go to SUNY too? I think they went to... They went Bard, I believe. Oh, okay, right. And yeah. um, even, did you hear that, that story about Timothy B. Schmidt from the Eagles? He used to be the bass player. And yeah. I think he played on Ricky Don't Lose... I think it was Ricky Don't Lose That Number. So... Timothy was, um, you know, he played for Poco for years and then the Eagles grabbed him because he, he was so good at what he did. And he got the gig to, uh, they, Steely Dan asked him to come in and play. And he said, uh, you know, Donald Fagan was like, um, he, he had him do the song like probably 10 times or so. And the 10th time, it was just more than perfect. It was better than perfect. And Timothy said, he's the type of guy that really prepares. Like he comes in, like he's ready. 
So he said the 10th time he walked in and uh, Donald Fagan was like, man, that was amazing. Just perfect. Just that, that was absolutely great. Can you do it one more time? <laughs> he had to go in and do it again, you know, and these guys are just, they're hysterical how the way they, they did things, you know. Um, yeah. Let's talk locally grown. Can you tell our audience what is that about? No, um, I was, uh, I, you know, this was when I first started at Radio Woodstock where I'm no longer working, but uh, I started there about five years ago. And when they hired me on just to do, you know, weekend air shifts, I immediately started bugging them to let me do my own show. And what I wanted to do was highlight local music because, you know, as soon as I moved to this area, I started getting involved with bands. And the first one I joined was Glenn's band, Fat City, and had a lot of fun playing with them. And I met so many other people in the music scene. And I figured, you know, I have access to this radio station now. I have a little bit of a reach and I would love to give back to the music community by creating a space for them to, you know, be on the air and get airplay. Cause that's, I know really hard a lot of the time for, uh, for a small band, for a local band. And it also seemed like, you know, this missed opportunity for the station because they're supposed to be, you know, live, local and independent is their whole thing. And they weren't really playing local independent music. And I was like, you know, this is, this is just, you know, yeah, what what are they? What is their playlist uh, now, MK? What what are they playing? Is it um, like oh, a- uh, it, it's uh, technically it's a AAA station, which is uh, adult album alternative, meaning that they play um, newer indie music, a la um, the Head and the Heart. Um, you know, a little bit of Coldplay. Uh, you, you know, um, just an adult indie rock i guess you would say yeah. uh, and there's room for some more interesting stuff and then they also have you know deeper cuts from uh, the 70s through the 90s or i guess through the 2000s now um and a lot of kind of woodstock type music grateful dead and and zeppelin and janice joplin and you know it's um it's a nice mix yeah uh, but yeah i felt like they were really missing that local touch so that was what Locally Grown was, and it started out as a uh, one-hour show every Monday night at 10, and then eventually I got it bumped up to two hours, so I was live from 10 to midnight on every Monday, and I would have guests in the studio, and I would play recordings, and yeah, it was just dedicated to uh, the music of New York State and the Hudson Valley. Yeah, great, great. I love that. I love that. I wish it could have um, continued, but I'm sure that um, what happened to you has helped create your future. I mean, it seems like always when we have these things that happen to us that like all of a sudden something's gone, something replaces it usually better, you know? So let's talk about your new um, podcast. And uh, by the way, congratulations on this. I think it is really incredible what you're doing. It's called More Music, Please, folks. And Quarantine Beat, is that sort of a subtitle up to it or... It is. My thinking was that if we ever get out of quarantine, I can drop that part. <laughs> but well, for now, it is more music, please, quarantine beat. And yeah, so, I mean, should I just tell the uh, the story of kind of how yeah, everything happened? I'd like you to start with um, when, you know, when you first got the idea, was it, what, did it happen like because of this or did, had you sort of had that in the back of your mind that maybe I should start a podcast and do something really cool? I did want to start a podcast because I really like podcasts. Like I listen to a lot and uh, you know, of course I have my background in broadcasting and interviewing and it was kind of like a no brainer. Like, yeah, I could do this probably and I would enjoy it, but I didn't have time. I was working full time. And at the time I was music director and afternoon host at the station. So I was there, you know, five days a week 
40 hours a week and just didn't feel like I had the mental capacity to also start this podcast project. And um, yeah, so then, you know, coronavirus hit and I lost my job, budget cut. And I was like, you know, pretty quickly, okay, this is my opportunity to start a podcast. I have the time and I have the connections and, you know, I could, cause I enjoyed doing interviews. That was a big part of my job. And I really enjoyed talking to musicians and artists. And, you know, also now part of the podcast is folks in the music industry who are not in the creative side. And I love talking to them and hearing, you know, what they've been up to. And it's become even more about just talking about whatever, which is way more fun because when I was at the station, of course, my interviews had to be very focused on promotion and they had to be tight because obviously I was taking up airtime. Yeah. But you know, I mean, with a podcast, it's however long you want it to be and it's uh, whatever you want it to sound like and whatever you want it to focus on. So I'll take a guest like, you know, my first guest on the podcast was John Ferrara who plays bass in the band Consider the Source who I love. And he was very, very kind to be my, my first victim. And I was like, what would you like to talk about? What are you into right now? And he was like, oh, I love the show Midnight Gospel on Netflix. I would love to talk about that show. And I was like, perfect. I'd also been watching it. And uh, yeah, we had this great conversation about like this show and Eastern philosophy and psychedelics and like all this interesting stuff that I wouldn't have ever been able to talk about on the radio because it would have just been like, okay, what's your music project? Where's your, you know, where can we download your songs? When's your next show? Like, you know, and now I have all this free time to ramble. So yeah, it's been super, super fun. It's, um, it's hard to build a following, as I'm sure you know, that's kind of a slow and painful process, but yes. it is slowly building. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very optimistic for the future and I'm really enjoying it. So even if, you know, it never becomes a phenomenon, I will still enjoy doing it. Yeah, there's something very, very um, alluring about having the independence to just say, I set up a studio in my home and I build in the hours that I want to work and, you know, all of that. And the podcast is really, um, a lot of people don't really understand. And just for the benefit of those who are, who are tuning in, um, it's not really all about the podcast itself to, cause a lot of people say, well, how do you make money with the pot? You know, it's, it's not that, um, it's not that quick and easy. It's more like the podcast is the leader for all the other things that you do behind the scenes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can get you can get advertising on it, and um, but that it 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 only really kicks into like really really big money when you are a you know a Joe Rogan or a Tim Ferriss, and they're they're like at the top tier, and they're getting paid extreme amounts of money because they have huge huge followings. And, you know, and, downloads and yeah of course yeah so it's like so but so for somebody who is doing something like we're doing um there's other things you can do you can do training you have all these skills that you could turn into whatever you want to turn into and um and by the way i see you have a contribution button on your website that is awesome great great idea i, I think that's i don't even know if it's set up that was automatically part of the design on squarespace and i was like i guess i'll keep it there but i don't know if it comes anywhere if you click on it yeah but, uh, well if just wants to try <laughs> yeah you can donate so so um give the uh um the handle again it's it's just uh moremusicplease.com is that correct um, more music podcast.com oh, more music podcast.com yeah okay. you can find it by, by I think more music podcast is the easiest way to find it if you're just trying to google it um, but it's on Stitcher and iTunes and Spotify and I put it up on YouTube every week so yeah. I try to make it as accessible as I can how are you getting guests MK because that's still a tough just, one for me <clears throat> just 
charm. <laughs> just my my winning personality no i mean a lot of it is you know i had a lot of connections through the radio station because i was yeah. music director so i would um communicate weekly with people from record labels and independent promotion companies and sometimes the artists themselves directly i would form you know even just a, a friendly casual relationship with it's not like you know they had to be my best friend but i could it, you know, I had a level of comfort where I could reach out and say, hey, I started this podcast. Would you like to be my guest? You know, Andy Frasco was kind enough to agree because I have a you know, little relationship with him from the radio station. And, you know, uh, yeah, so I, I'm just milking my old radio station contacts. But I'm also going outside of that. You know, I've, I've talked to um, some folks just from around here, Hudson Valley local musicians and uh, just interesting people that I run into. Um, I have an upcoming episode with a really cool guy who I met at uh, via one of my bands. He's like a friend of the Cold Flavor Repair family, and uh, yeah, so it, it's just um, they come from this, from that. anywhere and everywhere, don't they? Um, yeah. What about you? Because you know I'm very like music industry focused, but you're kind of uh, anybody, right? See, I started with really my. You're supposed to start with a niche, and I do always do everything upside down and backwards. It seems to be my nature, but. Um, <laughs> But what I started to do is I, you know, I wanted to be not just in the U.S. So I started hitting London and then I got into like I was in Norway and we've South Africa and Germany and and I started getting artists all around the world. And that's a real slow thing. And I, that this was great. I was enjoying this. But I also along the way started interviewing authors, speakers and thought leaders because one of the authors that was on this show um you know, I have another thing that I do is I write and produce branded songs for author, speakers, and thought leaders. So this person was a client, and he came on the show. And I started to enjoy the level of depth of conversation that we would go into. And uh, this gentleman was an alumni professor, and he still is at Virginia Tech University. And I, I just got really into like digging in and having like conversations that went really deep into different different areas. So I started doing that, and I've had like, you know, chaplains, I've had archbishops on the show, I've had um, pretty much anybody you can think of, and I haven't like pushed aside the singer-songwriter. As a matter of fact, the point you made earlier about um, you do things that sort of support the music industry, so like social media, that's a perfect one. How do you reach more fans? So if I have somebody like that, uh, I had a friend from BMI on. I had an entertainment agent on, or many entertainment agents on. How do you, how do we get more leverage for, you know, the the singer songwriters and the musicians trying to get their work out there? So I think the podcast becomes um, a service vehicle first, and then everything you can build after that. Um, at least in my case, that's the way I feel about it. So I have people helping me now. Like I have um, somebody who just gets different camps of spreadsheets of people that I'm interested in and sends them to me. And then I go through them and I vet them out and I say, okay, let's invite this, this one, this one, this one. And then I also do things uh, on my own. Like I did last week, I did the anatomy of a song and I, I played the demo on last week's podcast of, or it's out this week of what I do before I go in the studio, how I create the song. And then I explain it. And then I play the produced version at the end of that which I thought was cool for somebody who's like, you know, trying to get their act together to go in the studio. What am, what am I expected to do? So I touched on yeah. all of that. So I think, um, I think everybody has their own way of doing it. You can hire agencies to, to do these things for you. Um, but 
um, it's a lot of it's a lot of legwork. It's a lot of it's a lot of work to get people on. You know, it is. Yeah, I actually just and I'm I'm my follow through is my weakest my weakest part as of being like an entrepreneur. I think um, I went on to uh, Reddit and I, I solicited you know new music industry guests there and I got a few responses and I started conversations that I have to go back and finish um, and set up some some interviews with those folks but yeah I mean there's all kinds of ways to connect with people and there's all kinds of interesting people out there and you know it's not necessarily just I mean obviously it's great to have a guest with some name recognition because then you can go onto some of their fan sites and say hey I did this interview with this person and hopefully a few more people will download the show but yeah I mean I think some of the most interesting conversations are with just you know random folks which I mean there's great podcasts like uh, Chris Gethard's Beautiful Anonymous where he talks to just an anonymous caller every week and just hears about what's going on in their life and what they're thinking about. And yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating. That's a great title. Yeah. I like that concept. I haven't heard of his show. I have to check it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, the podcast, it, it creates so many opportunities that you don't even, you're not even aware of until you get into a little more and, and then all of a sudden they start coming out of the woodwork and, wow, I met yeah. this person who has all these connections that go through this and that and, I didn't even have any idea when I interviewed this person that this was going to happen. I was going to be able to touch onto all these other different things. So it, it's pretty cool. Um, what is the, as we're getting close to the end here, what are, is your like greatest aspiration as you're looking forward? I mean, it's, it's a new time. I mean, I'm, I really have to admire you for doing what you did because um, I was, I was saying this on previous episodes months ago about people who and it, re, it reminded me of a time when I was working a job and I used to say man if I only had these eight hours to myself instead of working for somebody else to, to build something mm -hmm. and so I was trying to like give people encouragement to say now's your chance you have to look at it it can't it's not all doom and gloom there's a there's a way to rebuild you know and, and rethink your life at, at this time and reflect on what do you really really want to do so I guess I'm asking you is as you're um, looking out over the next six months, 18 months, year, whatever it is, um, where do you see yourself going uh, with music, with the podcast, with all the things? You're a voiceover artist. You do so many mm -hmm. things and you have so many experiences in life. So it's um, it's like a big, you know, smorgasbord. Where are you going, MK? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would like to just... Um cobble together a living that I control, you know, I, I would like to not, because of course, you know, the easy road, the easy way out, the path of least resistance would probably be to try to find another radio job or something like that. And, you know, it, it would pay the bills, but it's not really what I want to do. It, it's not really, you know, like I've been so happy just, you know, controlling my own project and, and, you know, having full creative power over what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, so I think the five-year goal is to continue to do the podcast. I would love to do more voiceover work. I have this great little studio that you can see. I'm in my closet right now. And somehow, like, it, this is a tiny house. I can't stress to you enough how small my house is. But somehow, you know, one day after I lost my job, I walked into this closet and was like, I could play studio in here. It works, yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, the opportunities that I had and, and you know, the, um, the space that I had and the fact that, you know, my, my partner is working and I'm able to, you know, I, I obviously 
I need to make some money at some point, but I'm, I have a minute here where I can kind of like get my bearings and try to figure things out. So um, my goal is to uh, not go back to work for somebody else. I would like to continue to, you know, be in control of my own creative projects and, uh, you know, not go back to a nine to five. I was never really happy in that situation. Um, you know, I like having time to do gardening projects and take care of my dogs and do house projects. And, you know, I, uh, yeah, so I would like to and continue to be my own boss. And running. Backpacking, running, hiking, camping, all of it, steel mace. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. MK, listen, it was a real pleasure. We're going to put all of your um, links in the show notes to send some people over your way to uh, support your podcast. And uh, I just want to wish you um, all of God's blessings on you, your music, your career, your podcast, and, and all of your endeavors. Thank you so much for being on the Dharmic Evolution today. Thank you, James. This was really fun. So what did you think of MK? Pretty cool, huh? And I hope you're really going to like the More Music Podcast, Quarantine Beat. We covered some cool ground today, running, hiking, backpacking, Hudson Valley, Uncle Dad, Local Freak, Cold Flavor Repair, and Trailer Swift, International Relations at SUNY New Paltz, Radio Woodstock, Steely Dan, Sting, Zep, Mom, who has great taste. Locally grown artists, Fat City, music director at the radio station, John Ferrara. So many cool things we talked about today with MK Burnell. Please support the Dharmic Evolution um, Facebook community page. Go over there. If you're an artist, you've been on this show, post your content on the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page and watch the support you get from artists around the world who are supporting indie music worldwide. Also, check out dharmicevolution.com. See the 281 shows that we have posted there. There's videos, there's photographs, there's songs, there's blogs, everything about artists internationally, author, speakers, and thought leaders, they're all on there. So until the next time when we meet again, let's all stay connected. <laughs>